Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Okay, hope you're feeling good. Welcome to Maximize Your Influence. Kurt Mortensen here as we talk about some of the traits, the learnable traits, the characteristics, the personality of top salespeople, top persuaders. You want to know? We've been talking about it. We're going to look at some Harvard Business Review studies to see if you're on the right track to become a power persuader, a master influencer, to get up to speed for the things you should have learned in school. Because when you need to persuade someone it's too late to learn... I've said it before that most CEOs have a sales and marketing background. We all sell, persuade, and negotiate for a living as parents, teachers, leaders, managers. If you have kids, you know you negotiate. If you have teenagers, you know you really have to negotiate sometimes. Although I'd prefer that you persuade your teenagers because the difference is persuasion, you bring someone to your point of view. Negotiations, give, take, give, take, and meet in the middle. Hope you're having a great week. Increasing your success, increasing your income. Did a webinar on leadership and charisma and the key to lead people how they want to be led, to persuade them how they want to be persuaded. And someone had a concern, just want to share with you, like, well, I want to be genuine and be authentic. If I adapt, I'm not. And not true. You're not genuine if you data dump and do the same thing with every person and never adapt. If you truly adapt to someone's style, to their personality, to their culture, that means you care about them, to adapt to them, to get to know them instead of treating everybody the exact same. I would say you're more genuine, you're more authentic, that's more integrity to adapt to the person instead of treating everybody the same, instead of persuading everybody how you like to be persuaded. I'm just saying and putting it out there, I think it's insincere ungenuine if you treat everyone the same. I mean, come on, think about it. If you have kids, you know, they're not all the same. They're different. You have to motivate them different. You have to discipline them in a different manner. That's just how it is. That's what's crazy about kids. If you have kids, I mean, same gene pool. They're just so different. But that's a topic for another day. Let's dive right into it, to the persuasion, not blunder, but ninja of the week. So this was a door-to-door salesperson. Must not have been home. They left something. It was probably about a quarter sheet of paper vertically. And it looked like it was a handwritten note in pencil with a special limited offer. It looked like went around the house and looked at different things. It looked like it was customized, written out. And there was a lot of text. It wasn't just like a post-it. This was a large piece of paper. And it looked post-it-like. And it looked customized. And of course, I just double-checked it, tried to erase the text. It was a printed handwritten note that it looks like it was in pencil. Ten points. That's a ninja. It looks like someone adapted it, customized it to the situation. I love that. Nobody really likes to get the same thing that a million other people or 10,000 other people received. This looks customized to the house. And they saved the time by printing it. It looked that way. So that's the ninja. Even though it wasn't. And I saw right through it. I don't think most people did. And it looked like this custom note. And it was a decent handwriting. And they just wanted a call. Had the phone number, the whole bit. A call to action, a special, a sense of urgency. 
I am loving the Persuasion Ninja. And that reminds me, when I was in college, I actually worked for a telemarketing floor. And it was a crazy place. And part of it was, yeah, I showed up and I'm like, oh, these people aren't that sharp. But then they were selling circles around me. <laughs> and one time I just got so I'm like, no, I'm going to sell the next person. I'm going to crank up my people skills, thinking that was the, the best tool. Good tool, but we need more tools than that. And it was interesting on this telemarketing floor, they would give you a number and you'd look it up. You'd do everything from real estate investing to stock market to tax liens to weight loss. It was crazy, the different programs. And so the operator would tell you the number, you'd look it up and you know what you were selling. And I looked this one up and it was weight loss. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to do it. And I did my people skills and I created some pain. What's your target weight? And there was a little silence. And how many diets have you tried? And there was a little you know, hesitation there. And then after a while, this person's all, what's this got to do with real estate? And so I've got the numbers wrong and quickly chimed in. Well, we want our real estate investors to be healthy. Anyway, <laughs> that reminded me. The reason that reminded me of that story is because the way they generated their leads back then, they would print newspapers, their own newspapers, and cut them out with scissors, their own ads. And so they would cut them out and write on there, this is awesome, give me a call Jane or John or Frank or Bob some common name, they put like a post-it on there or a little note and mail it to people all over the United States. And they get this newspaper clipping with a post-it note, give me a call, this is awesome, this is great, with a name that they probably knew, it was so generic. And that's what triggered the leads. <laughs> so I don't think you could do that anymore, but same type of thing, and you're probably crossing that line like, wait a minute, you supposed to be doing that? Is that ethical? I'll let you think about that one. That's just what they did. It's the first time I thought about it in years. And I have noticed too, though, and we do know for sure that a hand-addressed envelope gets opened much faster and gets opened, period, more than an electronic envelope where they print it right onto the envelope. And they pay people just to handwrite addresses because it does make a difference. So the more you can customize it, the more you can adapt, the more like you speaking to them, it can change the persuasion process instead of, and I know, sending out a generic email to 100,000 people versus customizing it, versus the flyer, versus whatever it is. Try to customize it, try to adapt it. All right, so before we get into the geeky, scarly article of the week, I'm going to go to email because that leads us to the article. Oh, boy! So here's some listener email. And of course, you can always get a hold of me at Kurt, K-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. And when we use your email on the show, you get access to free gold membership to InfluenceUniversity.com. There's also some free memberships there. Just check it out. This is Marty from Georgia. For my international listeners, that's in the United States. Uh, Marty's going through the 111 sales hacks. I'll put information on that at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. That's all for everything. If you want to take your Persuasion IQ assessment, check out the free book, Maximum Influence. Check out our coaching, whatever it is or discounted products and services, it's all right there. There's your plug. Go check it out. He says, Kurt, I'm going through the 111 sales hacks. And those are three four-minute videos, and there's actually more than that, of why it works and how to apply it. Just the new tool a day, new tool a day. That was a lot of fun putting together to categorize all the different sales and persuasion tools. It says, Kurt, I've also been listening to your latest podcast on persuasion IQ traits. Just cutting in here, those are traits and characteristics of top persuaders. He said, I found this Harvard Business Review article, it's HBR. I was just wondering if you could take a look at it. Is it true? Is it dated? Is it false? What are your thoughts? 
says, I know you've been doing this for a long time, but I don't know if I should take offense on this. I guess I have. I'm getting older. I've been doing this for over 20 years, categorizing top persuasion techniques and looking at those anti-suasion negative techniques not to use and to find out which tools and techniques aren't working anymore. I've said it many times that trying to use closing skills at the wrong times is like trying to get a kiss after a bad date. I'd rather have you build trust and open them up versus trying to close them before they are even ready. In fact, even better, my research is showing that it's better to help them close themselves or in reality, help them persuade themselves. All right, Marty, let's check it out. And of course, those listening, I'll put the link at MaximizeYourInfluence.com if you want to check it out. HBR, that's Harvard Business Review. So this is HBR.org. Written by Steve W. Martin about the seven personality traits of top salespeople. This is a few years ago, and he's doing some things similar to what I'm doing, interviewing top salespeople. What are they doing? What's different? Their personality traits, how much they're selling, putting things together, giving these assessments, these personality tests to figure out what's going on. So let's look at some of the findings here. He did this with thousands of people. The first one, kind of interesting, is modesty. They wear clothes that are very modest. <laughs> I made that part up. That's not what he's talking about. Just see if you're still listening here. <laughs> He found out that 91% of top salespeople were more modest and more humble. They weren't the stereotypical, pushy, egotistical salesperson. That the results suggest that ostentatious salespeople who are full of bravado alienate people versus win them over. So he's using some big words there. Ostentatious means flashy or showy. And of course, bravado means being really bold or daring. All right, so, you know, I want to say there's a lot of truth to this. It has changed. In fact, studies do show that introverts are more persuasive than extroverts because they're a little more modest, a little more reserved. They ask more questions. They listen better. They're more like a consultant versus a salesperson. There's some truth to that. But there is a time to be confident. We want our expert, our salespeople to know what they're talking about, to be the expert. So there is a time not to be too modest too down to earth. You will still want to have that confidence. You want them to accept you as the expert. And you do that with questions and listening. You do come across as pushy and egotistical when they're one size fits all. They feel like you haven't really listened to them, that you're trying to push only a certain thing without really knowing what their challenges and problems are. So yeah, we'll go yes on that one. Number two, conscientiousness. This article says 85% of top salespeople had high levels of conscientiousness, meaning they were a little more careful, maybe a little more thoughtful. And he described them as having a sense of duty and being responsible and reliable. That's true. Good salespeople take their jobs very seriously. So I'm going to agree with this. Yeah, pretty much the challenge here is when you really know too much about the product. And, and, And bear with me on this one to where... You are becoming a free consultant. You are saying way too much. You're talking, as a study show, three times too much. That can be a challenge. I mean, we love it when you're responsible, reliable, and you know what you're talking about, and you're going through everything, but sometimes you don't need to go through everything. And when you buy a car, you don't need to know everything about the car. When you buy a software program, you don't need to know everything that it does. And so there's a kind of a push-pull here. Be very careful I love it when you're responsible. I love it when you're returning phone calls. And so I'm going to go in the middle on this one. 
depends how much you use it. There's a certain point where you can cross that line. Third one is achievement orientation. Said 84% of top performers tested very high in achievement, meaning they were not just looking and thinking about, they were fixated on their goals. They were fixated at measuring their performance. I'm going to say on this one, 100% true. They know the numbers. They know if they make 100 phone calls, that 10 people will listen, that two people will say yes. And so they know exactly how many calls they need to make every day to make the income they want that year. They have their goals. And there's no wiggle room here. I don't know if you've heard about 75 hard. That's a program, an exercise program that if you skip a day, you have to start all over. It's 75 days of certain goals that you have. And your sales goals, your persuasion goals should be the same. If you only make 80 phone calls one day and your goal is 100 phone calls, you should make 120 the next day. Don't start over. It's okay. Don't give yourself any wiggle room here. You need to know the numbers. A, so you're doing the income-producing activities. You know what they are. And B, to look at your close rates and so you know that you're improving. I Absolutely, I believe that one, Marty, 100%. You have to know your numbers and compare your numbers to other people. Know what your goals are. They're written down. You're looking at them every day. You know the why, the reasons you're working so hard. There's a lot of elements here. You can go to the archives at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. I've done quite a few episodes on goal settings, the pros, the cons, the good, the bad, the ugly, and how to make it work. As humans, we are goal-setting creatures. You want to increase your happiness, your commitment, your motivation? It's goals. I know you're tired of hearing and call it your target, whatever you want to call it, but bottom line, you think about the happiest time in your life, you're pursuing worthwhile, exciting goals. Interesting number four is curiosity, or as they describe it, hunger for knowledge. 82% of top salespeople scored extremely high curiosity levels. They are naturally more curious than their less performing counterparts. I mean, I guess it depends on how you define, I mean, curiosity. Didn't that kill the cat? I mean, because sometimes you can look at curiosity as snooping or prying, okay, being too inquisitive. But I like the part where it says personal hunger for knowledge. So, I mean, you can be too curious. You can ask too many questions. You can pry a little too much. You can be a little too pushy, too noisy. I'll take it this in a different direction. Say that we don't want because you don't want to come across as the parent, the lawyer, interrogating, the police officer. That crosses a line for curiosity. But let's take the different approach here, that hunger for knowledge. I'm with that one 100%. Curiosity, it depends how we really define it. Be careful there. But the other half, that hunger for knowledge, I'm a big believer in personal development, that if you can get yourself to read 30 minutes a day, and I learned this from my early mentor, Brian Tracy, if you're going to need to get yourself to read 30 minutes a day in your field, in your area, after five years, you become a national authority. Most CEOs read six books a month. Harvard study shows when you're learning and growing, you're more optimistic, you're more enthusiastic. If you're not learning and growing, you become very negative and pessimistic. You know your industry, you know your product, you know your competition. You're reading books on sales skills and persuasion. I don't need to tell you this, you're listening to a podcast, but that personal development, you become more competent, you feel more competent, you are more competent. There's a lot of things here that can make a huge difference in your success. Most homes worth over a million dollars have a library. Hello, okay. What you don't know will hurt you. I've been hitting this one hard. So that piece of it, I do agree with. Number five, lack of gregariousness. All right, <laughs> all these big words here. Basically, if you don't know what that means, especially by international <laughs> listeners, you're sociable. 
you're friendly, but they say lack, lack of friendliness. Let's look at this a little bit. So he talks about this is your preference for being with people and being friendly. So top performers average 30% lower gregariousness, these people skills, this friendliness, than average performers. Uh, you know, I, I mean, there is some studies I've done where you're getting too friendly too fast. People are tired of the gussy chit-chat. It's done the wrong way. There is the cheesy high lactose, too friendly salesperson. You're like, really? Fish on the wall, golf clubs, and they take them home. That People have abused it, but I'm going to back up and say, uh, no, I don't think so. There is the high lactose done the wrong way, an insincere way of doing this where you're supposed to talk about their trophies and fish on the wall and the gushy chit-chat. But when you're reading someone's personality, you know if they want to chit-chat and build a relationship. That depends on personality and culture. I go to some countries, we got to spend a couple days to get to know each other before we can even talk about business. I mean, this is an important thing. I'm saying if you can adapt to them and find some similarities, something in common, work on your people skills and rapport, and connect with them how they want to be connected with, treat them how they want to be treated, persuade them how they want to be persuaded, and adapt to them in a sincere, genuine way, I'm all about it. I think those are your best people. You know, they're going to adapt to an introvert versus an extrovert. They're going to adapt to an, an authoritarian type person versus an amiable type person. That is the key, but they still want a connection. They want to know who you are. They want to trust you. And part of trust is your likability, being likable. It is a critical thing and very important. When they like you and you have a relationship, persuasion becomes much easier. So I'm saying no on that one. Be very careful. Number six, lack of discouragement. This is less than 10% of top salespeople were classified as having high levels of discouragement and being overwhelmed with sadness. On the flip side, 90% were categories experiencing infrequent or occasional sadness. So, so discouragement. They look at the correlation between sports and sales success, that the ability to handle emotional disappointments, bounce back after losses, mentally prepare for the next opportunity to compete, you got to learn how to lose. You got to learn how to handle the criticism, the rejection, learn to hear the no. That is true. I'll agree with that. You got to have a way to make sure your willpower battery is fully charged. Go to the archives if you don't know what that means. But you've got to bounce back. You got to be in the right state. I'm going to say yes with 100%. You need to have a game plan to do that. That's why salespeople, good salespeople, good persuaders, get paid so much because they can deal with the no, the rejection, the criticism. I mean, nobody likes it, but they can bounce back, get ready for the next one, get in the right state. That is the key. And absolutely great salespeople, great persuaders are able to do that and do it in a way to where they could do it with a smile on their face. Even though it still hurts a little bit, they got the no, they move on and make it happen. Absolutely. And final one here, a lack of, lack of self-consciousness. Now, they've defined it as self-consciousness is the measurement of how easily someone's embarrassed. And I did find that with when I was doing research for Laza Charisma, being able to handle the embarrassment in the right way, to take ownership from mistakes, to have an embarrassing moment without freaking out. There is something to that. And they call it a high level of self-consciousness. To get past being bashful or inhibition, they said that less than 5% of top performers had high levels of self-consciousness, really caring what other people thought. And I'm going to add to this, and I'm going to say, yeah, I mean, you have to have a little self-consciousness about you, but the reality is that you're comfortable in your skin. You you know you have passion for what you're doing. 
If someone says something negative, that's okay. You know that there's positive, that it can be a key indicator to your success. Where you're following your heart, you're staying on track, you're not listening to the Aunt Edna's of the world that have something very negative to say about everything that's out there. You know Aunt Edna, we've talked about her before, sitting at a family gathering and you don't even talk to her and she sucks the life out of you. You follow your heart, you stay on course, just like Bill Gates, founder of Microsoft, what he was told, oh, don't quit college, don't quit Harvard, you should stay here and do this. He followed his heart and the rest is history. So there is a lot of truth to that one. So it's not an impact of luck. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. These are skills that you can learn, that you can adapt to. I talked about the pros, the cons, the good, the bad, the ugly. He added some studies on my end and my thoughts and my insights. So Marty from Georgia will send you your access to InfluenceUniversity.com, the training there. That's a weekly training with advanced persuasion skills. There's videos, there's audios, there's a lot of different things that you can go through there. So enjoy that. So maximizers, what did you learn today? Don't say, oh, that was nice. What did you learn? Take one of the seven, one of the things I talked about and apply it and use it. That's the key to your success. So I do appreciate you being here. Tell your family, friends, and enemies about the podcast. Hit like, subscribe. Give us some feedback. We're on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio under Maximize Your Influence. Again, also at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. You know the drill here. Master these skills. Learn to negotiate. Become more influential. Go out and persuade with power.